We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. Hello, listeners. You're tuned into That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio and podcast show that brings independent and interesting STEM, so that's science, technology, engineering, maths and medicine, to you from Tasmania. This show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium news station, so head on over to edge.org.au for more information about them. I'd like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording, the Palawa people. We're recording here on Luchuita, and as we are a podcast, I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from where you, our listener, are tuning in from. On behalf of everyone here in the studio, I pay my respects to elders past and present. My name is Ollie Dove, and I'm going to hand you straight over to my co-host, Emma Hawasaki, to introduce our guest for the day. So, we have a special guest on today. She has come all the way from Paris, Sarah El Idrisi. Sarah is currently attending the National Fine Arts School of Paris and is completing her artist residency here in Hobart um, and is here to talk a little bit about her past work, her journey to become an artist and her experiences kind of merging the science and art worlds together. So I guess I'll just start with how you're finding um, travelling all the way from France to Tasmania, Australia. Like, how's the, how are you finding being in Hobart? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. That's what I call science. I'm really grateful and honoured that you give me a space to talk about my work and share. Um, as for now, I'm having a really great time in Hobart specifically at IMAS uh, Taruna and IMAS Salamanca. Uh, it's all quite new for me. So Sarah, is it common for National Fine Arts School of Paris students to have artist residencies here in Tassie? Actually, it's uh, the very first time that our school launched this program. So uh, it's an off-track program, as uh, Emma said, and it's a program between CMS, so the Centre for Marine Socioecology, and uh, my school, Beaux-Arts of Paris. And I'm the very first student to be sent here to do this program, so I would say it's really not common at all. Wow, that's so exciting to be the very first one. It is. What are the <laughs> goals and the aims of the program? I guess it depends on each student because I'm the f- I can only talk for me. I would say my work is quite related to scientific knowledge. So when I knew about that program, I was really interested because we don't get the opportunity to enter labs a lot. And so um, the idea for me was to capture uh, the aesthetic of labs because as you might know over the years labs have developed their own uh, aesthetic and I'm totally fascinated uh, by every functional component in them and being just able to enter and picture them and 
capture them with videos is quite a, a rare experience. And the idea for me is to bring back all that knowledge because I'm also talking with PhD students and researchers and to accumulate them and seeing how scientists proceed uh, to experiment on their own research. Uh, and I'm thinking of doing a documentary. Well, that sounds awesome. So what labs have you been in here? The thing is, when I go, when I get the chance to enter a lab, I'm always um, with a PhD student. So what I tend to uh, get in touch with is usually what the PhD student <coughs> sorry, <coughs> is working on in that lab. So I would say it's more specific to my encounter with the PhD student in the lab more than the lab itself, which is quite, which is actually really more interesting as uh, I'm shown what uh, a machine is used for and, and just their ongoing research at the moment. So have you been, you mentioned recording videos and things, have you been making art as you go along through your time here or is it something that you're going to take back to France with you and then make there? Uh, well, I will take that back with me. As I'm saying to mouse here, um, I'm trying to gather as much materials as I can. So my material here is mostly videos. So uh, capturing every uh, encounter, but also um, landscapes, obviously, of Tasmania. Um, and then with all that material, I'm going to do the post-prod mostly in France, in Paris when I'm back. And also, <coughs> I want to still have um, a raw touch to the material I will bring back because if I start working on them here, it will um, alterate uh, my my vision of all that experience. So I better just take as much material and bring them. Wow. Was there anything that surprised you or you were really not so much taken aback but taken in with in your time in the labs? So I would say my work, as I said, is quite, linked to scientific knowledge but I didn't ever get the opportunity to speak or work with scientists and what surprised me I would say is that we have really major connection between uh, artists and scientists I would say uh, because I'm mostly talking with PhD students I would say we both actively path our own way uh, stone by stone and throughout our own research and it's quite a loner uh, path uh, we do both uh, follow our intuition too in different manners I would say because maybe for artists uh, it's quite accepted and um, even more I would say following your intuition is fascinating but I sense that for most PhD students and researchers I met, the idea of following your intuition 
um, is not something as accepted because it's more subjective. Um, but still, because what I'm trying to do when I capture every encounter is like the human component of their research. So basically them in their own little world. I do feel that they all in a certain way follow their intuition. So we do have that in common too. And um, the last thing that is quite related to my work, but I do feel that we are not the master of our research. We are more uh, the servitor. All right. Um, thanks so much for sharing all of that really interesting insight. Um, if you want to stick with us for part two, um, I think we will dive deeper into Sarah's inspiration for her science art works that she's doing at the moment and in the past. Thanks so much for listening. Want to know more about science, technology, engineering, maths and medicine? Then tune in to Edge Radio on 5pm on Sundays to hear That's What I Call Science. You can also find us on all of your favourite podcast streaming services. Be sure to like and subscribe us on any of our socials. You're listening to That's What I Call Science and today we are talking about all things art and science related. My name is Emma Hamasaki and I'm joined by Oli Dove alongside our expert guest Sarah El Idrissi from the National Fine Arts School of Paris. So Sarah, you've mentioned that you have kind of combined science and art together in your previous works and current works. Would you mind telling us a little bit about what what your work is? Yes, for my artistic work. So I'm working with uh, scientific knowledge and science of nature. Um, my work is quite experimental and empirical. So try to found protocols, I adjust them and take notes. So I'm using mostly uh, wet, dry and mineral devices that allow me to isolate natural phenomena. So for instance, uh, one of the isolated natural phenomena can be hyper impermeability uh, with the idea of cutting water but I also capture the deposit of time with the power of corrosion. So far, I've worked, I've worked mostly with water and mineral components and their interaction, uh, specifically with water surface tension, hyper impermeability, rust deposit. I've also been working on doing videos, time lapse and sound installation, all related to the water element. Wow, what drew you down that path towards focusing on water? That's really an interesting question, because I do think we tend to uh, find a start to our own research. So the one I will define today might change, because I guess we don't start in a blank page so it might be even related to childhood but but as for now for the work I've been doing with the idea of giving edges to liquid water and cutting water for instance um, it was just after I read a book uh, called uh, Water and Dreams uh, 
by Gaston Bachelard, who is actually a really well-known uh, um, French philosopher. And <coughs> this quote uh, I relate to a lot is uh, the pain of water is infinite. So after that, I started, I aimed to give uh, an end to that pain. So I looked upon um, scientific knowledge that could help me give that idea uh, visual support. I mean, to make it happen, basically. So this is when I, s not stumbled, but uh, get hooked into biomimicry, which is uh, the science of imitating to make functional objects to imitate uh, nature to make functional material and uh, like uh, water repellent clothes, let's say. So, um, yeah, I would say poetry was the main uh, start for me with water. That sounds also incredibly interesting, Sarah. Um, I've just noticed you mentioned something about where your inspiration came from in terms of water um, being in this constant uh, loop of pain. Would you mind kind of maybe just how you interpret that like and explain what that kind of means and how you are putting an end to that pain with your work, so to speak? Mm. As for the idea of uh, uh, the pain of water is infinite, I guess each of us might understand that code differently that's for me just uh, like explain what's the actual natural cycle of water in nature is um, and water is an element I mean the liquid water I work with is an element that escapes it evaporates it's constantly changing uh, it's quite fragile too and it grants no repentance, so uh, it's also quite uh, a challenge to work with it, as for me. Um, but the, that's the poetry of water. Well, I've never thought of water in that way before, and I'm technically a marine ecologist, so <laughs> what a, an interesting new way to look at it. Going forward, do you think you'll stay with water, or are there other mediums or environments that you'd look or want to work with oh that's that's interesting because i started with water then i s continued with the interaction between water and metal so i now working with corrosion and rust um, and to capture that i work with time lapse so even though the subject is still linked to water, um, how I um, capture it is getting broader and broader. Um, so, yes, um, even now, what I'm actually doing wh while I'm in Obart specifically is working still around water but with uh, PhD students who are obviously linked to the to marine science and researchers linked to 
in a way water, but in a really different perspective and point of view. Uh, and I'm not working directly with water, with my own hand, but I'm just portraying uh, their vision of water. This might be a completely stereotypical scientific way <laughs> to pose a question to you, but what are the intended outputs for your work? Are you creating this art in itself for its intrinsic value or when you start a project do you have say you want do you have a message that you want to pass on to people with it or is it for the art itself yes I totally uh, away from that idea because I tend to think that uh, a ma major art piece that I've had the, uh, the occasion to see on exhibition totally cancel the point of view of the artist just to let the material express itself my aim is only poetic stick with us listeners for part three as we further embark on sarah's journey to becoming an artist and her opinions on the clashing worlds of science and art At That's What I Call Science, we love bringing engaging content to all sorts of audiences, and this includes youth. So if you're a teacher at a local school here in Tasmania and have students interested in science, technology, engineering, maths or medicine topics, then let us know and we can come into your school and get them on the radio talking about their favourite exciting scientific ideas. You're listening to That's What I Call Science. My name is Emma Hamasaki and I'm joined by Oli Dove along with our expert guest Sarah El Idrisi from the National Fine Arts School of Paris to talk more about the life um, as an artist and who is also very much interested in science. So Sarah, what have you always been drawn to the arts or was there a time in your life where you just realised this is the path you wanted to take? That's a really interesting question because I never thought of being an artist. Um, when I was a child, for instance, my aim was to be an architect. So I've actually studied architecture for some years. Um, and then I went to university and did a master's degree in theoretical research on contemporary art. The forces that brought me to be here uh, is, again, not uh, depending only on me, I would say. So I wanted to be an architect. I went and studied architecture. And it helped me quite a lot afterwards because I had to deal with deadlines, with being self-independent, organization, and above all um, conceiving and uh, visual visualizing an idea but it was not my purpose in life I knew when I was there it was appealing uh, but it was more of an experimental journey uh, and architecture is one of the subjects I was and still am inspired by uh, 
but I didn't treat it even when I was studying architecture as a lifetime job. Uh, and I don't mind starting over. And I did start over a few times um, because I think that's maybe the answer of your question is curiosity and discovering uh, endless facets of light stimulate me. And it's specifically what an artist do. Yeah, That's incredible. And your artwork has led you down a scientific route as well and often I think in society we see science and art as clashing and they have little to do with each other but how do you view the relationship between science and art? So when I speak with PhD students specifically they talk about chapters when they introduce me to their PhD research right and I guess the idea of chapters and cycles is it's also the case for scientists and, and artists. It's basically a narrative and but it's a narrative that is always in transition and de depending on your results, I mean the results you get throughout that journey, choices have to be made and therefore it causes losses and it's exactly the path of research um, we go through uh, as artists also. So it grows in you. And um, I think I prefer to link science to art more than, I guess, create a dichotomy between both of them. Um, has my own experience here has shown me uh, that we are really close in our path. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I think we've only got one more time for one more question. <laughs> but you, you mentioned briefly a documentary <laughs> coming up or plans. So what would that be on? Um, so... Uh, as part of my uh, diploma, I have to do an exhibition in about one or two years. And it takes quite a lot of time to <laughs> to build that up, like any exhibition whatsoever. And um, I, I've, as for now, I've worked directly with materials with water with metal with their interactions with sound installation uh, it was about the material expressing itself i think that the opportunity i have now is to let the human composant that was quite um, put aside in my work uh, express itself too and it's really interesting for me to go and meet scientists and PhD students who might be one day scientists or whatever they want. <laughs> um, and to not concentrate only on their research, but actually on them. So again, I come back to the idea of intuition and subjectivity uh, against 
pragmatical and objective uh, theoretical way of approaching science, I go against it by the way I'm filming them. And I would love to present uh, in the same space uh, active uh, sculptures that express themselves and uh, the human component that do the same because most of them are doing their own research and doing experimental uh, work. Uh, but throughout meeting a person rather than just filming and uh, the, I mean, the experiments they are doing or just taking their knowledge with articles they might have published or are actually... It's more interesting for me to, as um, an artist, to look upon a research in, like I'm looking in a, at a living organism. And they are a living organism, right? <laughs> I don't know. No, it was wonderful. And I love that approach to seeing a researcher, not just as their outputs or what they're doing day to day, but actually as the living organism undertaking things in a more holistic manner. And it's such a wonderful message to leave with our listeners today. So thank you, Sarah, so much for talking to us. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to That's What I Call Science. We love bringing you STEM and art-related content, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you loved the show, you can get in touch with us by searching That's What I Call Science or That Science Taz on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My name is Ollie Dove, and I'd like to thank my co-host, Emma Hamasaki, and our expert guest, Sarah L. Idrissi. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and thanks for listening. This programme was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science at all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. Gemmaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. Gemmaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.